After he was done throwing, Zach Wilson refused to talk to anybody else. He says, I'm talking to Jason first. Just Jason. Okay, that did not happen. I'll say this much. Now or never, right? If I had the opportunity to go see Justin Bieber in concert, I would do it. I'm not sure we can say that. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. If you've been following the show recently, you know that we have a weekly conversation with BYU quarterback, soon-to-be NFL Maybe number two draft pick, Zach Wilson. Each week on his path to the NFL draft, we discuss pro day a few days after. The ideas of playing for the Jets, 49ers, and who is this tough a critic after pro day? Here's Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Zach, first and foremost, congratulations on a very successful pro day. How would you explain the ambiance and the atmosphere to somebody that didn't get a chance to see you perform there with what was going on in the indoor practice facility? It was exciting. You know, I just I just heard news about Micah Simon. You know how awesome. You know that's exactly what you need um, from these pro days. You know it's so exciting. That's what we do it for. And um, you know this whole thing's been crazy. If I was to describe it to someone, I would just say, uh, you know, BYU's probably got one of the best atmospheres as far as a pro day goes. You know the setup is awesome. Uh, they definitely take care of us, and and then you know everybody performed super well. I thought I thought everyone tested well. Uh, you know we saw some super athletic. You know four threes, and and Brady Christensen was you know, crushing all of his stuff. And so it was just a good day overall. Yeah, it was a great day. And and I called it one of the biggest days in BYU football history because of the attention that the group got. Obviously, a lot of that and the majority was on you. And NFL Network is live for two hours and, and we were live for two hours. So leading up to Pro Day, Zach, how did you handle the pressure of that? Because obviously there's like millions of dollars at stake here and you're going to be a top pick, but you wanted to have your best performance and it felt like you had a great performance. Uh, but how did you handle that pressure going in? Yeah, just understanding that most of the tough work has been done. You know, just understanding that I just got to go out there and show those guys what I, what I got. Um, you know, don't make it more than it is. You know, it's really just solidifying what I've already showed. And, uh, you know, really uh, it was just putting all the pieces together. Zach, you said that you wanted to do some things better. What specifically are you remembering uh, of the things that you wanted to do better at Pro Day? Yeah, you know, I missed some throws. I wish I could have hit some throws. Um, you know, I wanted to run. I wanted to do some of the testing stuff, unfortunately. You know, it wasn't filling up to it, but, um, you know, I, I wish I would have made some of those easier throws. You know, I was able to make some of the off-platform crazy throws, but, you know, just to, um, you know, of course I expect to be perfect out there. So, you know, I wish I had some back. The one throw, uh, I mean, and there were several like it, but the one throw that the NFL put out uh, as of yesterday had 3.6 million views. And Trevor Lawrence is saying sheesh, and Des Bryant, and Johnny Menzel, and Albert, everyone's talking about it. What was it like to have that reaction to a single throw from you? Well, it's cool. You know, it's cool that those guys notice, you know, obviously. But, uh, you know, it also doesn't mean much, right? I mean, you just kind of try to put on display. But, you know, you got to do that kind of stuff in the game. So we'll see once, uh, once game time comes. <laughs> Did you feel like you showed what you could do? Because obviously there were some, you know, sort of more regular-ish throws, but you wanted to, like you said, throw a platform, throw the arm, uh, different arm angles in there. Did you feel like you showed what you can do? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the goal from day one was, you know, what is something I feel like I can do that, that other guys can't or, you know, that isn't natural or, or comfortable for other guys. You know, that's comfortable for me, you know, to throw posts across my body and, and digs and, uh, sidearms and stuff like that. So, you know, I was going to make sure I had a good amount of that in there to show coaches what makes me different. 
you know, what kind of makes me special in that way. And, um, you know, for me, you're just expected to make the heart, the easy, you know, drop back, clean pocket throws. You're just expected to make those, you know, I wanted just to show, you know, if things break down, you know, I can make something out of nothing. Zach Wilson with us on BYU Sports Nation as part of his path to the NFL draft just a few weeks away. Zach, when you see your picture on the tabloids of New York City newspapers, what goes through your mind? It's crazy. You know, it's fans overreacting already. You know, I, can already, <laughs> I, already, I already know it's going to be crazy, you know, but uh, it's exciting and I'm, I'm super pumped for the draft. I'm excited for, you know, whatever team has that interest in me. Well, then there's the idea that San Francisco trades up from number 12 to number three. So your face starts showing up on some West Coast papers and projections as well. How does that affect you as you approach the NFL draft mentally, knowing that is it going to be New York? Is it going to be San Francisco? Literally coast to coast uh, is where it feels like you're going to end up. Yeah, it's really just a dream. You know, it's what a great opportunity. Um, You know, I'm so grateful to be in this position and and really, no matter which way it goes, you know, whether it's those two teams or any teams, you know, I'm, I'm super excited just to be here. Um, and I'm really going to give it everything I have, no matter who drafts me, um, you know, just to flip that team around and be able to make something special out of it. So I assume this was the first time in person you've talked to some people you've talked to via Zoom. Was that the case? Yeah, for sure. You know, it was the first time I saw all those coaches. I talked to a good amount of them, um, you know, everywhere from – you know, the Jaguars, Jets and, and Niners and, and Broncos and Eagles, you know, I got to see all those guys face to face, which was cool, you know, to be able to get to know them. And, and then even some I haven't talked to, you know, also have interest. I was able to, you know, say hello and, and put a, a name to a face. So it was great, great to be able to, you know, get that interaction uh, actually in person. And I assume the Falcons were involved as well. Yeah, Falcons yeah. were involved as well. Yeah. That was one of I, almost, that one. I almost felt bad for the Falcons, Zach, because the Niners slide into three, and, and they were all there, which was really interesting. I want to ask you about Daryl Bevel, too, because he's a guy that's actually hung out in the offices at BYU. He's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's been here. He knows some people. His daughter plays on the softball team. So had you already had interactions with Bevel, like, the last couple of years before? I haven't. No, not until, oh. uh, I think, I think maybe my uncle might know him down the road a little bit, you know, BYU connections and stuff. But first time I talked to him was just my, my interaction with him with the Jag Zoom meeting. And, gotcha. um, you know, he's a great dude. I like him. He's a good, good dude. Zach, uh, with the celebrity and fame that has just been thrust upon you over the last few months comes the challenge issued from you yourself and your parents to try and remain in the moment and stay humble and grateful. How do you do that when everybody around you is telling you you're so great? Yeah, my dad does a good job of telling me I'm not so great. You know, he's the one that he's the one that pulls it back for sure. You know, he was the first one when I was like, "Hey, what'd you think of the pro days?" It was all right. You know, it could have been better. You know, and I, I need to hear that sometimes. You know, I need to be able to tell myself, you know, it could have been better, and I, I definitely agree. So uh, it's good to have someone that's real like that in my corner, and someone that's always going to make me, you know, understand that I, that there's always improvement. Was it uh, like was it was it fun? Was it awkward because it's kind of quiet and everyone's watching, and then some people start clapping sometimes. What what was that like when you were throwing, or were you in the zone like you were in a game? Yeah, we were for sure in the zone. You know, it was it was a little tense at first. I'm not gonna lie. You know, and it was dead silent in there. Um, you know, it was cool that guy started clapping because that definitely loosened everybody up a little bit because <laughs> you know it was it was tense at first. It was, it was very quiet. We felt like we had to go super fast. We didn't want to be standing around, and um, you know, but it was exciting overall. What went into the script that you came up with with John Beck to be able to display what you can do? Yeah, well, it really started off with the base routes. You know, it was just, 
you know, corner post, over outs, digs, all that kind of stuff. But then it was like, okay, well, you know, let's say the tackle gets high pressure right here. I have to step up and throw this on the run to my right. Or, you know, I got I got to get out to my left. How can I make this throw, you know, still on time, on target, but, you know, let's do it in this fashion, you know, because this is game-like. I wanted to make everything game-like. You know, I wanted to show, you know, sometimes in a game you're going to be in those awkward positions and you're going to have to try to make throws like that. Did you add to that, and did any teams ask you to do more after? No, they didn't ask us to do anything after. You know, I really think it was just because we had a little bit of everything in that entire script. We started with the short stuff, the timing routes, the under center play actions, you know, the gun RPOs. We had a little bit of everything, I think, in that script. So I think I think guys were happy with what they saw as far as just you know what what we threw at them. BYU quarterback Zach Wilson preparing for the NFL draft on BYU Sports Nation. Zach, what do you anticipate will be the most difficult part about your transition into the pro game? Yeah, I really think, you know, just getting used to to the flow of the game. I mean, it's different. You know, it's hard to say right now. Um, once I get to that position, you know, I'm definitely going to know what I got to work on. I think just adjusting to the offense, you know, where I'm living, um, you know, my teammates, my coaches, being able to just be that young kid in there that's, you know, that's in there. You know, taking taking leadership roles and stuff. It's going to be awesome. You know, I look forward to it, so it's going to be exciting. About six weeks or so ago, we talked with you about what the best fit might be in the early you know offerings of this process, and you mentioned the Niners. And Niners fans got really excited. And then we kind of look at the Jets um, you know, now at two, and now the Niners at three. And Jets are Niners light because they have Robert Sala, the defense coordinator, Michael Flores, the offense coordinator, who's the passing game coordinator. So when you said Jets uh, or uh, Niners – I guess that could fit Jets too, right, in terms of system. Uh, perhaps they run a similar system and both could be a good fit. What do you think? Yeah, no doubt. You know, they're, they're very similar systems. I think, you know, as I started learning about different offenses, you, you start to realize every team kind of grabs for everybody. You know, there's a little bit of everything now in every team in the NFL. Unfortunately for me, I feel like all the teams that are, are projections from, you know, pretty much the whole first round, I feel like all I can fit in every single system that there is. I feel like there's something for me in every single one, you know, so honestly, you know, my bias has, has swayed. And then really, you know, I'm really just looking at, you know, situation, you know, what's best for me. And I think that's, that's all going to work out by itself. You know, once I think God has a plan. So wherever I end up landing, it'll be great. Zach, you were quick to bring up your former teammate, Micah Simon. We're certainly excited about his prospects with the Carolina Panthers. You talked about Brady Christensen's numbers. Oh, my gosh. He was incredible. Who else do you think surprised in a good way on pro day that you uh, expect to turn some heads in the NFL? Yeah, I think Matt, Matt Bushman obviously did a great job. Um, you know, I honestly got to say all four receivers did an awesome job. I think Aleva just showed how smooth he is as a catcher and a route runner. Obviously, Dax did his thing, is um, showing how quick he is off the line. You know, he ran a pretty good forty time, I thought as well. You know, for what he was he was hoping for. Uh, so I think all those guys are going to get, you know, some some great opportunities. You know, even look at you know Vika or Chris, how fast those guys are. Vika is such a great athlete. Um, so I'm excited for all these guys in general. I think every single one of them is going to get a shot. We've buried the lead here. Uh, what were you listening to on your headphones? <laughs> Chris Brown, of course, and Justin Bieber's new album. So, oh, very nice. Oh, okay. And so, that what, what kind of uh, mood are you hoping to be in? Because some guys need a certain energy uh, that they want to go into a game with, right? So, what what are you hoping for? Like, how would you describe the energy you're you're trying to get from that music? Yeah, just cool, calm, and collected. You know, something that just keeps your keeps your spirits up, keeps you happy, and then you know, just keeps you nice and calm. I'm not a big you know, hard metal rock fan or anything like that. You know, I'm going to listen to nice, you know, R&B, something smooth that's just going to keep you, you know, in the flow, kind of bobbing your head, you know. 
Was that the same kind of music you listened to pregame this season and same artists? Same kind of thing. You know, I listened to that R&B, you know, mix of, you know, the Chris Browns and Ushers and, yes. you know, all that kind of thing. Love it. Did, yeah. Didn't you go to a concert before the pandemic or something? Was it was it Chris Brown? I went to a Chris Brown concert. Yeah, yeah my girlfriend got me tickets to a Chris Brown concert. So it was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Zach, I knew I liked you, but now, man, now I, now I understand why there's a connection. I'm, I'm a believer <laughs> and I'm, I'm proud to rep, man. Let's let's go. Yep. Hey, I gotta get I gotta get tickets to the new concert, whenever I, that is. I don't know when it is, but I gotta get tickets. Zach, I'm pretty yeah, sure you'll afford well, it. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that you have somebody that can help you out with that. <laughs> I'll, I'll step in and do what I can uh, if if you have trouble right. getting yeah, those tickets. Okay. That's, that's like when we talked to Troy Warner last year. Zach, we'd be like, "Does Fred pay for everything when you get together, or do you ever split the bit?" Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Zach, I, I just want to ask one question. It's a little bit off the radar, but it was something I was thinking about listening to you talk about, oh, I wish I could go back and make these throws, do some things differently. If you could go back and replay one game in your BYU career, and it doesn't even have to be a loss. It could be a win. You just want to go back and experience it again because it was so much fun. Which game would you go back and replay and why? Well, that's tough. You know, I'd honestly, like, you know, Coastal Carolina was obviously one we went back this past year. But then I really think back over my career, and I don't know if there was a more disappointing loss than the Utah loss my freshman year, you know, in 2018, being up at halftime, you know, the emotions of how close we were and then just momentum completely flipping and us losing that game. You know, I think that's definitely one I'd want to redo. Yeah. How does that shape you? How did those disappointing experiences shape you? You learn a lot of good, you know, moments and you learn a lot of good things about those situations. You know, I threw some bad interceptions in those games. There was things I had to, you know, overcome and be able to keep, you know, fighting through and, and so many things I learned, uh, you know, about pass pros and, and ball placement and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I would love to be able to go back and play that again. Zach, how would uh, 2020 at Utah have gone? Mm. You know what? I would love to have my opinion, but you never know unless we play it. So we'll have to get a scrimmage <laughs> or something sometime. I know. Maybe an alumni game down the road. We'll get both both sides back together. Yeah, but there'll be bad knees and shoulders, and it'll be flags, <laughs> yeah. and you know it just won't be the same. But we can we can dream, right? Yeah. Hey yeah, Zach, we can dream. Great to catch up with you, man. Uh, again, I'll let you know about the Justin Bieber concert tickets later. Um, I'm in. Let's oh, go. Oh, sorry, yeah, Jer- Jeremont. He's a, he's a concert guy too. So apparently, yeah. we're all going together. <laughs> Zach's like, Zach's like, get yeah. me off this phone call right Zach's now. Zach's like, oh, I got to go. Yeah. No, I didn't promise anything. Uh, Zach, thanks again for the time, man. Congratulations on yeah. Pro Day. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Zach Wilson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. We're going to Biebs, sounds like. Bieber! <laughs> I'll say this much. Now or never, right? If I had the opportunity to go see Justin Bieber in concert, I would do it. 100%. I no question. I absolutely would do it. He's an incredible performer. No question. Highly entertaining. Absolutely. Very talented. I'm rocking a Jimmy World shirt today, but different genre. But we have gone right. to that concert. Yes, we have. <laughs> yes, we have. Now, now, we the, need, now we need to add Justin Bieber to the list. <laughs> yes. The last concert you and I went to was uh, 21 Pilots. 21 Pilots. Yeah, that was a great concert. That was, that was awesome, man. Yes. I remember when concerts used to happen? <laughs> Yo. Not virtually. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Well, it is time we play Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal. No Deal. 
Presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU basketball has another significant piece in the transfer portal, notably Connor Harding. We learned last week that Jesse Wade has also put his name in the transfer portal, though Wade hasn't entirely closed the door on the prospect of coming back to BYU. Jerem, is this big deal or no deal that Connor Harding is joining Jesse Wade in the transfer portal? I thought that Connor Harding would be a real integral piece of what BYU did the last couple of years. And he has. It's just not in the same way I think some of us thought and what I thought. I thought he could be an all-conference type of guy. It hasn't worked out that way through his junior year. Granted, he still has two more years to play if he wants, but uh, obviously it's, the, it's not a great fit for him. I'm wondering if that has to do with uh, just straight playing time or whatever. Uh, Hard to know, and no one's going to say, I'm unhappy and here's why, and just a laundry list of things, right? (laughs) You don't want to, like, burn a bridge or be mean. Connor Harding's a good dude, and to to me it's a big deal because I thought he was a great glue piece on this team. I thought he was great culturally, good defender, could knock down some threes. Unfortunately, he didn't turn into that, like, double-digit score. He was given the opportunity at the beginning of this year to be a starter. To, to level up. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. And hoping for the best for him. It is interesting, Spencer, because his wife Paisley is a star yep. on the women's basketball team. And so, she's coming back for another season. So is it Connor Harding to Utah Valley, to, I don't know, To Utah, Craig Smith Utah and State, the University of Utah? Weber State. Like, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's UVU versus the field, typically, when there's a transfer from BYU, it feels like. Like, half of them go, you know, just stay in the same spot, go to UVU. But... Not always, so I don't. I don't know, but I do think it is a big deal. Not because of his produ- his loss of production is not a big deal. It's no deal, but the the culture and the glue guy mentality there and best locker room in America thing. Yes, I think that is a big deal. Yeah, I think this is a big deal because of BYU, the fact that BYU is already losing Brandon Averett um, on on the guard line. Now Jesse Wade's gone. Now, Connor yeah, Harding is gone. Lot, so, again, production, not a big loss, but as a guy in the group. Like, who are the guards that are coming back for BYU? We're not sure on Alex Barcelo. So, there is yeah. Trevin Nell. There's Trey Stewart off a of mission. Trevin Nell. There's Hunter Erickson. <laughs> Trevin Nell. Spencer Johnson. Okay, Spencer Johnson is a guy that plays on the wing as a three. Yep. Who's going to be the two guard? Like, I looked yeah. at Connor and thought, okay, he's a guy that could play the two or the three. Uh, Dallin Hall, you are here by call to come back and play guard for BYU. <laughs> who's, who's, this is why it's concerning for me. Is like the guard depth is just yes. a big it's, question mark you guys now. Got to get, I think, two transfers. Now two. Time. Yeah. Right? With and, and if you follow on social, you kind of see the activity that's happening um, with, with potential transfers. But, yeah, the transfer portal is open. Let's not be shocked, too, if this is the last transfer that leaves from BYU. I'm not inferring any information that I know. We live in a different day and age. We live in a different day and age. Like, I know that, you know, guys that played in the 80s and 90s are like, oh, whatever happened to grit and determination and fighting through adversity? Will you you sing that, like, what show was it on TGF? Whatever happened to grit (laughs) intensity? (laughs) What happened to that? Like, I I, I understand, like, but it's a different mentality. We live in a right now scenario in 2021. You know, it's, like, give me, give me, give me. I want, I want it right now. It's business. It's business. You are hired to perform a skill. So why the coaches can live. Like, yes, you know, and the transfer, the, yeah. the transfer portal wasn't nearly as prominent 
1996 as it was. It didn't exist. Exactly. It wasn't even there. It's something out of Star Trek that came through the multiverse in an alternate timeline somewhere. There was no ability to swipe right or swipe left on a transfer in the transfer portal for all of these coaches. So put your name out there. Like if, If there's great interest and there's a good fit, I totally support and understand this. But I think it's a big deal for BYU basketball because the guard depth is already struggling. Yeah, like, I, I am concerned about it. Like, very concerned. Uh, who's? It's not just point guard, too. It's like, and frankly, I think that's something that was missing from this year's team. And we saw it, BYU couldn't match up with UCLA on the guard line. BYU is just a little small. Um, BYU ran with two quick guards but didn't take advantage of that quickness, right, with A, B, and B, A. So who's gonna, BYU going to get? That's the exciting part. Mark Pope and Chris Burgess and Nick Robinson and Cody Figure are going to get. I'm guessing they'll get like two transfers that they'll, matter. They'll and figure guards. it out. Hopefully, but one they of those, need to be able to play right away, though. Hopefully, we, we one of those transfers is Alex Barcelo. Right. Alex Barcelo coming back takes away a huge void and the need to still need one. But you need one. Still need one but more. St- hey, and it's got to be like a. To me, it's got to be like a double-digit score. Who's replacing Brandon Averett's production as the second-leading scorer on this team? Alex Barcelo, then Trevin who? Trevin Nell's like, Trevin me! Nell, okay, Trevin He's like Nell. raising him, me! Okay, so Alex Barcelo, Trevin Nell, Gideon George, Caleb Lohner, and Richard, Gavin Baxter or Richard, Richard Harward. Harward. Like, again, we went through starting the starting five, five but who are, how are they going to bolster that? What, what's behind Spencer Johnson? May, and maybe BYU goes, listen, we're going to get somebody else, but Trevin and Spencer, we need you to mm, raise your game. And that Spencer is you. You need to suit up need, for the coach. I do need to raise my game. <laughs> Not so much in basketball, but in several other aspects and, and, of life. And we all do with life. Yes. Time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Today, we rewind to Pro Day and visit the Top 5 Zach Wilson throws against Air. Yes, he was awesome. Number 5, Wilson runs a, a play-action pass, throws it off his back foot while moving the opposite way. To Matt Bushman, perfectly placed about 30 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. At number four, Wilson again moving in the opposite direction. We like to show these across-the-body throws, don't we? Mm. Launches at 40 yards to Aleve Hippo on a dime. Hippo takes it uh, right over his shoulder in front of the pylon. Touchdown! Number three, Zach Wilson off of one foot on the run, across his body. Seemingly 50 yards down the field to Micah Simon inside the 10. This this might have gotten uh, Micah Simon uh, along with his 40. The contract with the Panthers, which is pretty awesome. Congratulations to Micah Simon. That's great. Yeah, it's so cool. Good news for Micah taking advantage. At number two, Zach spins out to his left again, throws it while still moving to his left. Well, you know, cool 60 yards down the field to a Levy Hefo. Throws it opposite 35-yard line all the way to the 5. And Aleva had to slow down. That's how quick Aleva is on this. So, yeah, got out of Zach's hand slow a little bit. Zach, or uh, John Beck should not play D-line anymore, although he rushed the quarterback pretty well there. And the number one throw from Zach Wilson. Yeah. It has 3.5 million views on mm-hmm. Twitter from the one NFL tweet. 50 yards down the field. Again, this time to the in a, in a uh, post instead of a corner route to a Leva Hippo, and this made waves on social media and is the number one throw from Zach Wilson on Proto. Just in stride, his off-platform throwing ability, Patrick Mahomes-esque. Ah, oh, that was a beautiful thing to watch. It was, it was poetry in motion this morning. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is NFL film analyst and a guy who knows the game oh so well, Alex Rollins. Alex, oh, rocking the Mets hat. Okay. He's getting ready for Thursday. Now, are you, pro- are you projecting something there by wearing the Mets hat that Zach Wilson's going to go to the New York Jets, Alex? Hey, I won't confirm or deny that the, the Jets have paid me to wear this hat, so we'll just leave it at that, guys. <laughs> what did you learn from Zach Wilson's pro day that you maybe didn't already know about him? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't put too much in the pro days. I think I'm looking more for a floor rather than a ceiling. You know, you just want to make sure the guy gets out there and looks good and whatnot. But, uh, you know, that main highlight that we all saw where he's rolling to his left and he just unleashes that, you know, 40 to 50 to 60-yard bomb like we see so much on film, you know, so it's not a surprise in that in that area. But, I, I mean, just an unbelievable talent that we already know and that NFL teams, of course, already know. But, you know, I, I can't really stress enough how ridiculous it is to just completely disassociate the top half from the lower half. You know, none of the momentum he has from his lower base while he's throwing all the way back across his body. I mean, you know, I, I think uh, I think the, the teams in the top five uh, got pretty excited with that one. Now, you, you produced a, a video on YouTube where you break down Zach at length. I thought it was great. Will you give BYU uh, fans uh, that are watching this and listening to this a taste of the deep evaluation you did of Zach Wilson? Yeah, so, you know, I use the, uh, the coach's film, the All-22, and I think that really gives us a, a better angle and a better view of what to look, like, what to look for with a prospect, uh, you know, how they're reading things, how they're reading the safeties, how they're reading the coverages, and, you know, what you see with Zach, I, I mean, it's really incredible. You know, his, his plus arm strength just jumps off the film. Uh, his accuracy is incredible. Um, in, in my breakdown, I really talked about how he attacks nap defenders and what that is is non-aggressive players on defense. So the moment Zach sees a defender with their back turned, he is just gunning it down the field no matter what. And he, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk a bit in, you know, it's kind of the scheme fit and where he's, looking at these top three and whatnot, but, uh, you know, in these play-action heavy schemes, if you can really, if you add an element of somebody, you know, let's say he goes to the Jets and he has a Denzel Mims, if he can hit those jump balls as well and really get some of those going and get some more aggressive downfield stuff going, as like in addition to the, the, the scheme that the Jets already have, it's going to be incredible. And it really unlocks a lot of the potential in their offense, so. Uh, some really exciting stuff if you're if you're drafting Zach Wilson. NFL film analyst Alex Rollins with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's attack that angle and the idea of Zach Wilson going to the New York Jets because after Jeremy and I just discussed, we think the best fit on paper and just logically feels like it's with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, but I don't want to entirely write off the Jets. So why do you think Zach Wilson could potentially work in New York, and what are the weapons around him if he indeed does end up in New York? Yeah, what I think is so interesting about this draft is really the teams 2, 3, and 4, the Jets, 49ers, and Falcons, all really have the same system at this point. You know, the Jets, you know, very 49ers-based with the new regime, 49ers, of course, and then the Falcons with Arthur Smith are all really kind of running the the wide zone play action boot offense. And what really jumps out to me is that that's what BYU ran this year. 
You know, they exploded in terms of play action. They've been, they ran it at one of the highest rates in the country. And, you know, that is when you can see those things on film already in college, it's really easy to say, okay, this is what this guy can do in this scheme because we're, we're already watching him do it. And the fact that Zach Wilson exploded in this offense, this was his big year, and it was because they really leaned into this style of offense is what makes him so enticing. So in terms of the Jets, you know, I I think it'll be a little more of a transition for them just because, you know, they haven't really necessarily been drafting the personnel for this system, whereas the Niners have been for, you know, the five or six years of the, that, the, that Shanahan's been there and Lynch has been there and whatnot. Um, so actually, even before the trade, I really liked him in the Shanahan offense because Shanahan's just been building that system for so long. But, you know, the, the thing about this offense is – you know, even if it's not Shanahan, it's going to create a lot of open throws. So, you know, when you play action boot to the left and then come back to the right, you know, oftentimes there will be somebody sliding into that flat to the right who is wide open and there are those yards after catches, uh, yards after catch opportunities. But where somebody with Zach Wilson's talent can really stretch those things is he can hit the deep post. He can hit, you know, the, the post wheel to the sideline. He can really extend the the defense and stretch it deep and and horizontally to where you really have to defend every part of it. Whereas, you know, I'm not going to say that that Jimmy G isn't capable of running this offense, but, you know, there are some question marks there in terms of the 49ers. And you, you see him, he is comfortable hitting those easier throws, but he's not always pushing the envelope. And there are times where he's not going to attack the nap defender, the non-aggressive guy. And so, so Wilson really builds on what these offenses can do, which is already a lot, but he can take it to the next level and he can really attack what Shanahan or LaFleur in New York is really providing and really stretching to, to new limits, honestly, is what makes him so exciting. Alex, in your video as well, you talk about some of the things Zach uh, struggles with a little bit or needs to improve. Uh, one of those was a little bit of footwork. Um, talk about where you think uh, maybe some of the flaws are that, that he'll need to work on as he uh, gets into the NFL. Yeah, so, you know, one thing with BYU, uh, the, you know, with the play-action boot scheme that we're talking about, that creates a lot of, you know, there's a lot of space for the quarterback to run. So you don't really necessarily see him in NFL or, you know, quality pockets a lot. And that plays to Wilson's strengths, of course, because he is so good at throwing on the run. But, you know, I, I, I broke down the Niners extensively last year. So I was really week by week focusing on them up until the Super Bowl. And what really comes back to bite these offenses, and it happened with Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, gets the Patriots a couple years back too. If they're down or they just, you know, third and long, they need to execute these drop back, more NFL style schemes. And I think that's kind of where we see Zach's not not struggle, but he just needs a lot of work in that area. So, you know, there are a lot of plays where you'll he his footwork isn't necessarily lined up with where the receiver is running. So, you know, let's say on quick game, a three step drop has to line up, you know, you you have quicker routes, right? So that's going to be a slant. That's going to be, you know, a quick hitch or something like that. And then five-step, it's intermediate. And seven-step, it's a deep ball. So we don't necessarily see Zach. His footwork doesn't necessarily look like it's it's detailed to the point where it's really matching up with those routes. 
and that he's comfortable repeating that again and again and again. Now, I do think that's something there are things where you worry more so when you see in college that need to be improved in the NFL. And that's something I don't think I'd be worried so much about. It's something he needs to work on a lot, but you know, that's why we have NFL coaching. Um, so certainly that uh, there are some issues of his ability to see over the middle of the field. So there are several examples, you know, one of the, we saw more so when we was running the play action stuff at BYU, it was kind of more the boot stuff outside. Whereas Shanahan also has an element that I didn't see BYU run too often. So it's not that Wilson didn't do this. They just didn't run it too often where it's a, it's a quick, right. When you play action fake, you whip your head around and there's a quick post. They call it a drift route. That's breaking right behind the linebackers who are sucked up from play action. And Zach sometimes on the other play action type schemes, he didn't really, he kind of, he kind of missed some reads over the middle. So that that's definitely something that I'd like to see cleaned up and just, just executed more of. And that would really help unlock even more of these Jets, 49ers, Falcon schemes that we'd see at the next level. Alex Rollins, NFL film analyst on BYU Sports Nation. Let's take that idea a step further. True or false, Alex? Zach Wilson is ready to play in the NFL right now. Um, yeah, I mean, based on what I said, you know, I, 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 you know, talked about in my episode, I, I think he does have the highest ceiling of these quarterbacks in this class, but right now, you know, without these footwork fixes or, you know, improvements, uh, I don't know if right now, I, I think with the right coaching staff in, you know, if he goes through training camp and he is improving and working hard. I do think he could play I, the first week, and I would imagine if he got drafted with the Jets, which is very likely, in my opinion, um, that he will be starting week one. So uh, I, I think he needs a, a lot of improvement, but I think it definitely could happen. All right, Alex. Uh, obviously, you spent a lot of time breaking down film, not just with Zach Wilson, but out of uh, a lot of NFL guys. Where can BYU fans and football fans in general find more of your work? Yeah, so if you go YouTube, Alex Rollins NFL, um, that's where all my breakdowns are. been doing this for about two years, and I have all the, the major quarterbacks scouted and on my, on my channel right now. So if you want to check out, uh, kind of compare these guys, then um, all my work's right there. So Great stuff, Alex. We appreciate the insight, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. You got it, Alex Rollins on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, great breakdown of Zach. And also, because I don't think we can just talk about all the good, but ignore like, okay, where does he need to work on? So that was good to hear like, okay, certain certain routes, certain over the middle of the field. That was a very specific critique. Yes, yes. That's why we got him on. By the way, uh, Justin Fields has ran his 40. You want to guess? It was 40? I'm going to guess 449. 444. 444. Dude, he's fast, man. Maybe the Jets are going to take up. And, and it depends, you know, are, are you in love with uh, the athleticism plus the quarterback? Or, because Zach is athletic, but nowadays it's like you just need to run to get a first down. You don't need to run to run. Zach's between. Unless you're Zach's like a low 4540 guy. That's what know? I would guess he'd be. You yeah. know? I mean, talking with him, he. That's kind of what he like. I'd probably run like a four five four, four five five, something like that, which isn't exactly slow. I mean, yeah. Come on now, like four five. Dax Miller well, a four five two or four Patrick, five four. What's Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers forties? I don't know. I don't care. It's okay. They're athletic enough. It's okay. Clearly. Yeah. 
Yeah, interesting that uh, Steve Young, our guy, said that Zach Wilson is playing football like Patrick Mahomes does in the NFL right now, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's talking about throwing angles and platform and all that, right? Yes. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as she and her team prepare for NCAA Regionals of the 12th-ranked BYU Gymnastics team is the star, Abby Bowden-Staten. Abby, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for having me. Where are you right now? I'm in the field house. You're- practice and... 15 minutes. So oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Last practice before you uh, head out. So, wow. Are, are you in like a hallway right now? Yeah. Okay. The I'm next, the hallway the next person that comes by, if we're in the middle of talking or whatever, will you say, Hey, I'm doing an interview on TV? Will you just say that to them, even if you don't know them? <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Shut them down. They, they're like, they, they think you're on a Zoom, just a Zoom call for a class or something. No, you're on TV and radio right now. Okay, fine. Okay, Abby, I've always wanted to ask you this question, and all of the Abbeys on BYU's gymnastics team, for that matter, is your spelling of Abby the proper spelling of Abby? I think it should win, because me and Beast, she's the other Abby, we Mm -hmm. both spell it with just a Y. So there's two against one, Abby Minor. She hasn't... Don't you feel like the the Y ties in nicely to BYU, right? Yeah. Yeah, no extra E's. (laughs) Okay, so this team's been awesome, and you guys have taken a jump up certainly this year, and and you really have a shot at the NCAA championship. So, what's the narrative like as you guys try and punctuate which what has already been an awesome season, Abby? But if you guys can go to the NCAA championships, you're going to be one of the all time teams in BYU history. Yeah, um, I think we're just trying to keep the same mindset. Like, obviously, it's like exciting, and this is probably the best year we've ever had to qualify to the national championship. So we're just trying to keep the same mindset. Like we don't need to do anything special because what we're already doing is great. And so if we can just keep doing what we've done consistently throughout the year, we'll be in good shape. Abby Staten of 12th Wing BYU Gymnastics with us on BYU Sports Nation. You are most definitely a significant part of this senior class, seven outstanding seniors. What are your emotions like in your final season with BYU now heading to NCAA regionals? It's definitely bittersweet. I'm super excited that we've had such a great year. It's a great high note to end on, but I'm definitely enjoying the little things and noting all the small things that I'll miss when I'm done. Just team jokes, all the traveling, the feeling after a meet when you've just done great. Definitely bittersweet. What's been the key to this group and that chemistry that you just addressed performing even better than you had been the last couple of years? Because last year was fantastic. You guys have been on this steady climb up. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it is the coaches. They started a few years before our senior, I think just two years before our senior class. So they kind of got it rolling. And then we do have a large group of seniors. So I feel like that helps because we've kind of been able to grow with the coaches. And then all the new freshmen that come in, they just, you know, get with it. They get the ball rolling. And then that just creates a great atmosphere for our team. Um. Robbie Bosco's from Roseville, if I'm not mistaken. So are you the top two yep. athletes in BYU history from Roseville, California? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> not many f- other people from Roseville. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a friend who lived in Roseville. I hung out in Roseville one time. Love, lovely city. What, outside of Sacramento, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good spot, right? 
It's a great spot. I love it. There you go. The pride of Roseville, California. Yeah. Abby Bowden State. Abby Bosco. That was in the 80s, you know? It's all Abby now. Let's go. Yeah, let's just put it out there. Let's (laughs) declare it. And we have. Abby, what do you feel like your past experiences in high-level, high-pressure meets have done to prepare you better for this go-around? I don't know. You just kind of can't treat it like a special meet. I feel like that's the thing I've learned the most is every meet is just – it's not extra – pressure or extra special because we could qualify or it could be our last one. We just have to treat it like it's a practice and just do what we do every day. Yeah. It's not special. It doesn't matter. Um, so just, just, it's going to be all right. Yeah. That it's hard to do that. Right. Because that's the right thing to feel and say, because if you hype yourself up too much, um, and say, Oh my gosh, this is the biggest meet of my entire life. This could be in my life. Then you, then you might get nervous. And so how do you stay in that mental space? I don't know. That's been really hard for me this year because I feel like we're so good. So I'm like, yeah, let's go to nationals. <laughs> so I have to like calm myself down, <laughs> especially because I'm, you know, a senior. I'm supposed to be a leader or something. Like that. So <laughs> I got to like, okay, calm down. <laughs> That's hilarious. Has anyone walked by you? Um, there's been a few people. <laughs> man, you, man. Uh, see, now this tells me you're going to stay in the zone, right? Because I sort of gave this idea, but you've completely ignored it, right? And so that, that's pretty good. Tell me, so are you are you a double major or, or are these connected? Nursing and international development? Yeah, so nursing is my major, and then I added a minor, international development. What is the international development part? Um, it's a lot of classes on how to do foreign humanitarian aid. I'd love to do mm. some type of like nursing, like Doctors Without Borders. So yeah, just thought it'd be good to learn a b- little bit extra about that stuff. With all of your free time, right? Yeah, because you, you have all this yep. free time. <laughs> Which is why you're doing yeah. an interview literally minutes before practice what? outside of the Smithfield <laughs> House. What would happen if you were late because of us? Oh, today today's just an optional day, so I'm not worried about it. Oh, okay. But what if it wasn't yeah. optional? Like what would Guard Young do? Um, I would bring my Zoom call into the gym or else. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He'd be all right. I saw you him in the parking lot. We're on good terms the other day. We're good. We're good. <laughs> Abby, what's your favorite event to compete in as a gymnast at BYU? Oh, that's a tough one. Probably floor. Just because it's so fun. You just get to dance and smile. And you don't, <laughs> it doesn't take the same focus that like beam or bars would take. And it helps Still that your focus. teammates are all doing the, entire routine with you move by move right yeah that makes it so much fun <laughs> to party <laughs> all right abby friday number five cal number 27 ohio state number 28 towson and then uh, as you said hopefully advance with the saturday and beyond let's give you some byu sports nation karma for your trip out to morgantown make sure you add john denver singing about west virginia to your playlist as you head out there that's that's mandatory okay Alrighty, thank you so much. You got it. Abby Bowden Staten on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Listen, Abby's in the zone. She's focused. She's a leader, you know, or something, as she said, which is hilarious. Just like, oh, I got to be a leader here. Hey, if somebody walks by, will you say, will you tell them you're dinner? No. 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 <laughs> well, I can, I can appreciate that. Listen, you know, you can't make every shot. So Abby <laughs> knows what she wants. She's a way better athlete than I am broadcast. So there you go. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Transfer Nation 
hits back at BYU. Four different BYU men's basketball players have now said they are entering the transfer portal, including Connor Harding, Wyatt Lowell, Colby Lee, and Jesse Wade. Jerem, best locker room in America taking a hit. What type of concern is there now with four players entering the transfer portal and leaving BYU basketball? Well, um, let's talk about the hit, or if it is a hit. Um, I like these guys, and uh, let's talk. So there's the locker room and the chemistry and that. But then there's also the production. To me, those are two different things, um, although one leads to the other. Um, these, are, these are guys that certainly were invested and, and were, were all in and part of the best locker room in America the last two years. But their time has come to go somewhere else and get a different kind of opportunity for whatever those reasons are. Those are all individual. Um, so there's that. Um, I still think BYU had the best locker room in America the last two years in spite of these transfers and now four. Four is not abnormal. In fact, it's pretty normal. So mm. just yesterday I said, don't be surprised if there are more. And then not, not hinting that something would happen, just that was a rational, uh, logical line of thinking given just what happens every year. So there were two more last night. I was like, okay, Kobe Lee and Wyatt Lowell. I, to me, we've kind of reached the if anyone else two answers, it'd be a surprise part. Like uh, we've come up to that line, I think. Um, 12% of the points from last year are among those four. So not a huge hit. Uh, uh, Connor Harding by himself was almost seven percent. Okay, but it, and and Colby Lee and Connor Harding were, were starters, but then weren't starters. So yeah, they want to be starters somewhere. So that makes sense, right? The big hit is the fact that the three seniors, Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett and Matt Harms, they were forty nine percent of the scoring, and they would be gone unless you can get one of them back. Barcelo was twenty one percent by himself. That's that would be the hit. Best of luck to these guys. Uh, you know, bummer they're leaving, but it, it's part of the deal. Like, it's more of a business than you think. We, we talk in terms of family, and it is, but, some, but sometimes there's divorce um, in the family as a kid of divorce. I know that firsthand. And, th- and that's okay. You, you seek a better opportunity. Uh, one Mark Pope did it from Washington to Kentucky. One Chris Burgess did it from uh, not BYU and Duke to Utah, right? So it happens. It's not always, uh, it doesn't always work out the first time. So now, and we'll get into this later in the next topic, the roster has the open spots for the transfers. Now, we, uh, if, assuming BYU is going to do that. We don't know this, but there's probably a hard conversation that has to happen after every year where you go, hey, here's our vision for you in the future, mm. and it may be different than what you wanted, and or you're not on scholarship. Mm. I don't know that that happened with any of these guys, but it could have happened. It did happen with Jesse Wade after his first year at BYU. Last year, Jesse was a walk-on. He wanted to be here. He paid his own way. That was really on the DL all year. I'm telling you that that's what the situation was. Good on him, but he probably wants to be on Scully and get more playing time somewhere else. Sure. He wants to have an impact his senior season somewhere, wherever that opportunity might present itself. I don't like to see four guys leaving at the same time because it kind of looks bad. But the, the same time yeah. bothers you if they were sprinkled out like one a week or something? That well, maybe, maybe two this year, two next year. But four leaving right now, that is a little bit concerning for me. Not an uncommon number, though. <sighs> yeah, and we it's live in a different like, age. It's we more li- like this than we we live in a different age now. Yeah, it, it is what it is. It and just it just it's becoming more and more the norm, right? You can't appease like fifteen dudes on a roster. 
Like Cameron Pearson might be like, I'm just happy to be here on the team. That's different, right? Brandon Ward's like, I walked on on purpose. Like those guys are probably comfortable in the, I want to see what can happen here, but at least I'm long for the right thing. But Connor Harding's like, no, I want to start somewhere. Yeah, the, just the number, okay? So the, the number alone. I, I hope that nobody else leaves because I'm already feeling a little bit weird about BYU's guard situation. Now that Connor Harding and Jesse Wade are leaving, Brandon Averett is gone, and maybe Alex Barcelo, who's going to play guard for BYU? AB, to me, is gone until he's not. Exactly. That makes, that makes yeah. Like, they gotta, he's gone they have to he recruit him back. back. It's yeah. the same scenario with Yoli Childs. He's gone unless or until Mark Pope can work some type of miracle and bring him back. But it feels and like he he, he's gone, right? So I'm not going to put it past Mark Pope to convince Alex Barcelo to stay for another year, but... Not counting on A.B., who's going to play guard? I, I expected Connor Harding to be one of those regular rotation players next year, and he's not. And I thought, okay, well, maybe Jesse Wade's shot will come once Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett leave because BYU doesn't really have a true point guard after that. And now he's gone. Yeah. So what's happening? I'm sure that the coaching staff has a pretty good idea of who they're going to target in the transfer portal, but there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees on the guys that are still searching out there. Yeah, and one conversation I had uh, with the BYU uh, coach was that, yeah, Connor needs a fresh start. And so I don't blame him. There are a thousand names in the transfer portal. A thousand. Like, it just is what it is. And every year you get the old curmudgeon that's like, back in the day we didn't transfer. Well, back in the day you didn't have the internet either. There was no no transfer portal. Back in the day you lived your life a different way. We know more. We learn. We're better ourselves. It's okay. Like in business, this is super common. Just go to LinkedIn, man. Everyone's vying for the next best thing. That's okay. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All right, Spencer, what will be the biggest surprise of the 2021 BYU football season? Well, other than you taking over for Jerem, right? So we've already clarified that's probably the biggest surprise, right? That's absolutely the biggest. Are we, are we that surprised, though? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a huge surprise. Okay. I, think, I think we all knew it was coming. Touche. Okay, so that's not the biggest surprise, although, although a little, <laughs> still a little bit of a shocker in the timing of it all. Uh, the biggest surprise right. of the 2021 BYU football season to me will be what BYU does against the seven Power 5 opponents. And I know this is a little bit bold, but stay with me on this. I think BYU will surprise a lot of people and post a winning record against their seven Power 5 opponents. Four and three, and you think, okay, well, is that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? Yes! BYU, on average, wins 40% of their Power 5 games. So, do the simple math. That's somewhere between a 2-5 and five record and a 3-4 and four record. If BYU can post a winning record against those seven Power Fives, now we're talking about the Cougars winning maybe as many as nine regular season games against one of the tougher schedules that we've ever seen and having a shot at back-to-back 10-win seasons if they can indeed secure a bowl game. So who are the seven Power Five opponents? Okay, I think BYU is going to roll Arizona in the season opener. Uh, they've got a brand-new football coach that's going to be in Raiders Stadium in Las Vegas. It's the home away from home for BYU. I like BYU's chances against Arizona. The next couple of Power 5 games are the real interesting stretch, Dennis, because BYU hosts Utah and they host Arizona State. 
if the Cougars can sneak one of those and start 2-1, and one, then for sure I think they're going to have a winning record against the Power 5 foes. They've got Washington State. They've got Baylor also coming up on the, uh, the schedule. And they've got Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia in Provo. Keep in mind, the majority of these games are in Provo or the home away from home, Las Vegas. So I like BYU's chances to surprise a lot of folks and win at least four Power 5 games. The finale against USC... That one's going to be tricky. But, hey, I think that there are for sure three wins on there. And then BYU is going to beat either USC, Utah, Arizona State, or Baylor and get to a fourth win. I really like this, and I think that it's time. It's time that this team, with all the weapons, with the Nakua brothers coming in, they surprise their Power 5 opponents. What do you think, Dennis? What's your surprise for 2021? Listen, I don't want to move on until we till we talk about yours because this is a surprise. This is a bold prediction by you. Okay. Because like you mentioned, BYU is traditionally about 40% in those P5 games. And so, I mean, that would put them below that 500 mark. So you're, you're, you're taking a, a leap of faith here on this one. And here's where I step back a little bit on that bold prediction is BYU's got to break in a new quarterback. Okay. And anytime you have transition at the quarterback position, you have to table your expectations just a little bit. Now, I'm not saying this team can't be really good. And I'm not saying we, we've talked about the weapons now that whoever the quarterback is will have at their disposal. But anytime a, a new quarterback is at the helm, there's going to be some growing pains just, just naturally. And it, it's such a difficult position to play without a ton of experience and playing all of these good teams. Now, granted, you mentioned this. BYU plays a lot of these games, especially early on, Vegas, at home, um, especially those first three. And those first three games are going to be critical. If you can get out of those first three, two and one, even three and oh, I mean, obviously, then, then that goes a long way in being able to get to a four and three record against sure. those P5 teams. But it, it is so tough early on in a season for a young quarterback or, or any new starting quarterback to come out and just play lights out. Now, we've seen it before. I mean, when Max Hall took over, mm-hmm. we came out, we played. Arizona in our first game. I mean, he was lights out from day one. But that's what we're talking about, a, a transcendent quarterback there. Okay. The winningest quarterback, not the winningest player, might I mind you, the winningest quarterback <laughs> in BYU <laughs> football history. Okay. Um, I would take the title. Winningest player. Need I remind you uh-huh. of the winningest player in BYU history. But it is just so tough. You just typically don't come out of the gates firing like that with a new quarterback. But listen, I – if it's Baylor Romney, I mean, he's a proven commodity like we talked about. He's a guy that has game experience. He could come in and he could play at a high level. And, and listen, this quarterback's job is going to be simple. Hand the ball off to Tyler Algier. Let him churn up yards on the ground. Get the ball with easy throws, easy completions into these receivers' hands and make the, allow them to make the plays that they're capable of making. And don't turn the ball over. I mean, your job is going to be pretty simple. And so whoever can do that the most efficiently is going to be the guy. But again... It is so difficult to play three P5 teams right in a row to start the season as the new starter. And so I, I curb my enthusiasm a little bit. I'm going to be a little bit more realistic on this outlook. Well, you are filling Jerem's shoes, you okay? put the blue goggles on a little bit here. Okay. Okay. I'm going to bring some reality. I know Jerem would always just kind of pump you up, Spencer, like, oh, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to go this and that. I- I'm going to bring some reality to the show finally. And uh, I think – I think if we can escape 500, well, you can't be 500 because it's seven games. 
If if we go three and four, okay, against those seven P five teams, I think that's an accomplishment. I really do. All right. Now the big one's Utah, and I th- I think everybody wants a win against Utah. It's long overdue. It's something that we got to have. But regardless, I, I think um, it's ambitious to say we would have a winning record against this schedule because it's so front heavy, front loaded. And it's just so difficult for a new quarterback to pull that off. Okay. That being said. Humor me for a second, though. And and I know we still need to get your other surprise. But humor me for just a moment here. Even if BYU starts the season one and two against those three power fives, they still have Baylor, Washington State, and Virginia on the schedule. Don't all three of those games and programs, based on where they are with their transitioning coaches and – mediocre play kind of feel like BYU could do enough to, to win the next three and get to four, regardless of what happens against USC. Absolutely. And are those winnable games? Sure. But there's still P five games, Washington state. You're on the road, Virginia Bronco Mendenhall is going to be incredibly motivated to come back to Provo (laughs) and get a win. I mean, they might be preparing for that game. Now they might not care about any other game (laughs) on their schedule. They might be just looking at BYU uh, midway through the season and just focusing on that and their game planning. But th- those are not going to be easy outs. I mean, you look at the schedule, there's still P5 programs. You know, Washington State is, is a little bit down right now, but, you know, they, who knows what's going to happen. And, and we, quite frankly, don't know what this BYU team is yet. I mean, you're, you're losing a top three pick yeah. in Zach Wilson at quarterback. That's not easy to replace at the most important position in the game. And so I, I think... I think you just have to be a little bit realistic in the fact that there might be some growing pains, especially early on in this season when you have to play Arizona, Utah, Arizona State at the front. You still have to play Boise State. And I know we're not considering them a P5 program, but I mean, that, that's a P5 equivalent program. Sure. And so this is, this is you don't have many weeks off, let, let's be honest. And so you have to bring your A game each and every week. And, and I just think it's going to be a tall order for them to be able to come out that unscathed early in this season. Okay. Now, now add your official surprise to the season. Then if it's not getting to four wins against the power five. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I surprise, surprise. I don't think they're going to get to four wins, but, but I'm going to take this a little different direction here. I, I'm going to say who's going to be my surprise player. Okay. Of this year. And it's a guy we just talked about. And the guy we just mentioned, a guy that just transferred in Puka Nakua. And you, you look at the brothers that are coming and you say, well, Samson's the guy with the bigger pedigree. He's the guy who's been a four-year contributor, started a number of games for Utah, um, has a, a better stat line, the more experienced player, coming in as a grad transfer, going to be able to play right away. I think Puka, mm. now, now granted, he should be able to play right away as well, pending the NCAA rules in favor for first-time transfers to not have to sit out. Sure. So that being said, Puka, I expect him to be a, a day one contributor. I expect him to be a day one starter Ooh. on the outside opposite of, of Gunnar Romney. And I think this kid is that good. I mean, you watch what he did um, at Orem High. The acrobats, and, and we talked about this, but the, the acrobatic catches. Mm-hmm. His hands are so good. He knows how to go up and make tough contested catches, which is something that I always look for in a receiver. Can you go up and make the tough play? Anybody can, can catch a ball wide open. Can you go up and, and make a play and make a catch that you're not supposed to make? I think that's what separates good players from great players. I think uh, Nakua is a great player with the highest ceiling, like I mentioned before, Ooh. of this receiving core. 
And receiver is one of those positions where you can bring a receiver in. Now, I know Baylor or Gunnar Romney and some of these receivers have had time in this system. Receiver's a position you can bring a guy in and he can, and he can be a day one guy. There's less of a learning curve for a receiver. Yeah, you want to get on the same page with your receiver. And, and, and keep in mind, Jacob Conover and, and Nakua played together in high school at one point. And I think it was the Polynesian Bowl or something like that. Uh, before entering college so they've worked together they threw a touchdown pass Conover to uh to Nakua in the corner of the end zone in that in that game and so um there's some familiarity there with those two as well but um I just think he can have a huge impact on this season and and moving forward because of his playmaking ability this is a guy that averaged 19.9 just under 20 yards a catch for Washington over the last two years in, in in a brief stint yeah pretty good with the Huskies and so a guy that brings a ton of upside. Okay, so Dennis Pitt is going with Puka Nakua as his game changer for BYU. Their leading receiver. That's the biggest surprise in 2021. I mentioned my Power 5 uh, record for BYU. Okay, let's look at what the roster in Topic 2 looks like next. Yeah. As of right now. So let's walk through, again, 13 scholarships. If AB comes back, that adds to it. It'll be a 14. Who's going to play point guard, Jerem? So Trey Stewart. Is listed as a point guard coming off a mission that's Ray Sun, uh, women's basketball assistant coach. Uh, you never want to just play a right, RM right away. Uh, Hunter Erickson, Trevin Nell, Spencer Johnson, Gideon George, Caleb Lohner, Nate Hansen back from mission, Gavin Baxter off injury, Richard Harward, uh, a player to be named later, um, which, which BYU is going to sign next month. We can't mention his name quite yet. Fusene Traore from Wasatch. And those are your guys uh, on Scully. So that's el- that's eleven uh, or ten. BYU has what three spots? It looks like you have Brandon War, Cameron Pearson, a couple guys as walk-ons. So if AB comes back, that's a fourteen scholar. So BYU has three spots to find a point guard or two. And to me, I don't think BYU needs a big at all. No, they to have me, plenty of size. To me, it's because yeah, you you might need a backup maybe. So so I'm uh, like the primary three bigs you're going to have. Loner, Baxter, Harward, and this to-be-announced guy okay. who is going to be a freshman. You don't expect him to start, per se. Again, we can't talk about him. But to me, it's you need to get a guard, two yes, guards two. that are, are going to combine for like 20-ish. And the chemistry, in, that's the thing about Alex Barcelo. He already is established with Mark Pope. He knows exactly what the system needs to do and how to execute it and how to be the alpha and to bring oh, everyone into the yeah, fold. That, you don't need to convince anybody of that point. Uh, We're all convinced. Like right? Alex Barcelo, I feel like he's worth two players. I feel like he's worth two because of his maturity and his experience and his scoring capability. You said that, that the two guards need to come in and average 20, right? Alex himself <laughs> averages 20. Right. So, yes, your point is everyone understands. Yes. The, the other thing, though, here is I think BYU needs a guard that averages double digits to come in. Unless, unless BYU's banking on some combination of Trevin Nell, like, okay. Nell, Johnson, Erickson? Let's walk through who's going to average double figures next year. To me, it's Caleb Lohner is one. Yep. To me, Trevin Nell's got to make the jump up to that. Mm. And then there's got to be somebody else. Gideon George? Maybe. Maybe. Gideon's got some things to figure out in his game. He turns the ball over a lot, but when he gets in isolation... Within 10 feet, he's pretty good. Sure. Tough to defend. He's pretty good. This is assuming you don't have AB, right? If AB comes back, you just need two other dudes that are averaging double figures probably. Because you look at this year, there were three guys in double figures. It was the three seniors. 
and BYU played tremendous defense. A lot of that had to do with seven foot three Matt Harms in the middle. So there are certainly some questions to be had. But rewind to last year, BYU's coming off one of the best the best season in a decade, and we were like, oh, dude, what are they going to do? What they did was found two really good recruits from from Power Five schools, either right away or previously. They got two high level transfers. They came in and made BYU a six. Which, by the way, UCLA in the Final Four. Unbelievable. Unreal. Why can't BYU do this? Why can't BYU have that run? I don't know. I'm just glad UCLA actually can do something good <laughs> from basketball standpoint and not like football. Okay? Like they, they, they actually did something. They actually accomplished they something. They actually did something. Yes. Eight clap that. <laughs> Eight clap and 11 seed. <laughs> don't, don't dismiss the ability of BYU staff to go find players who can and contribute I don't. right away. Now, they, like, there are guys, and what's fun is there are old like, Wasatch teammates of Caleb Lohner who are interested. They're out there. Out there, right? Who are talented and uh, perhaps interested. So they're, they're out there. Well, and then that's a selling point for BYU and Mark Pope is, hey, you come and play right now because we don't really have any other options. <laughs> you need to play right now. Right. So right? that, that is an enticement where, you know, guys like, hey, I just want to go where I have an opportunity. Oh, if you're a point guard or a shooting guard, you'll have an opportunity in Provo right now to do something. So there is that as well. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to write off Alex Barcelo entirely because of Mark Pope. If there were yeah, any I, other coach, I'd yeah. be like, he gone. It's over. I hope, Done. Yeah, I hope he comes back. I mean, BYU really needs him, too. I think BYU is a tournament team if Alex Barcelo comes back. I need one, I need one more double-digit score there, transfer, for me to feel that comfortable. Man, oh, man. Yeah, it was just a, another gauge of just how critical he would be to helping this team not feel like a rebuild. And I'm okay, I'm okay if there's a rebuild year. BYU just had two amazing seasons. Right, I don't expect right. this every year. There were five at-large bids to non-Power 6 teams. BYU got one of them. Like, it's hard. Transformation. What can Mark Pope do? As mentioned in the headlines, Steve Young, former BYU great, talking about a current BYU great, Zach Wilson, saying that the New York Jets are committed to Zach as the number two pick, recruiting his family. Jeremy, is there any reason for the New York Jets not to take Zach Wilson at number two? Only if they love Justin Fields more, I guess, or need a left tackle instead of a quarterback. But it sure feels like they want Zach Wilson. We have a lot of Jets fans interested in Zach Wilson. How do we know this? How do we know this? Uh, they're all retweeting the videos we put out of Zach yep. Wilson now. So uh, that's exciting. And in case you missed it, and we'll talk about it later, we put out a video of uh, Zach Wilson's best runs at BYU. I forgot how awesome he was running the ball. Um, yeah, f- so fun stuff. We'll talk about that later. There's no reason for the Jets not to take Zach Wilson. Now, the Niners certainly want Zach Wilson as well, as evidenced by who showed up to Pro Day a week ago today. But uh, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. I, I kind of think... I've talked about, okay, the pendulum swings in the, and this happens in politics too, right? Like, oh, everything's so great. Well, actually, look at these few issues. Have we overcome that part of this already with Zach? Oh, he wasn't a captain. Oh, he came from money. He seems entitled. The pendulum no. never came back. No, it never, it never swung back into a negative sphere. I, I wonder about that. I think that a lot of those concerns have been uh, answered and mitigated by good answers. Part of that is Zach, uh, you know, putting himself out there. Also, our conversations each week get to know Zach Wilson in a way that even we didn't know him during the season. I see no reason why the Jets don't take this guy 
And number two, the only reason would be, you know what, actually we, we're going to go with Darnold and we want a left tackle in Penny Sewell. But it sure seems like Zach Wilson's to the, to the Jets is a nearly done deal. I can only think of one reason the New York Jets would not take Zach Wilson, and that is to leverage more picks in this year's draft. They have nine draft picks to work with, including the number two pick right now. That's a lot. Are they willing to float out the number two pick and drop down a few more spots to pick up a couple of more selections in this year's draft and maybe in future drafts? Because they're in a position where they do have the leverage knowing that Zach Wilson is a wanted commodity. It is a quarterback-heavy draft. There are a lot of teams that need a quarterback. The Falcons and the Panthers at 4-8. and eight. The New England Patriots reportedly want a quarterback as well. Uh, yeah. On top of the sure. New York Jets, the Jaguars are taking Trevor Lawrence, okay? Like everybody in the top ten almost needs one, right? <laughs> like... So there is significant leverage for the New York Jets if they opt to stay with Sam Darnold for one more year. Well, they and they've already. I mean, they are doing that. Essentially, unless they make, trade him. essentially make him the like. Say you're the He's, starter. We're going all in on you for one more year because if they draft Zach Wilson, then it's a competition between Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson to who is going to start in Week One. But if they don't take a quarterback and leverage it into more picks, then it's Sam Darnold for at least a year. And then whatever else the Jets want to cobble together and figure out with whatever they get for that number two pick. I cannot wait to see what the San Francisco 49ers do. Do they want Zach Again? Wilson so much they already moved up to three. that they would move another spot and take Zach Wilson? Would they give away more to get exactly the guy they want? I'm guessing no. And y- reports y- are suggesting that the 49ers are okay with Mac Jones out of Alabama. He fits the 49ers style more so than a Justin Fields. ESPN, one of their mock drafts, had Justin Fields following all the way to the New England Patriots at number 12. That'd be quite a steal for them, man. Interesting. Fields is legit, dude. There's only Yeah, so the only reason I see Zach Wilson not going number two is if the Jets get some crazy offer from another team, the Falcons, the 49ers, the Panthers, and they're like, yeah, let's take advantage of this. Let's take three more picks in this year's draft. I'm not sure there's a big enough gap between Zach Wilson and Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Kyle Trask and to suggest doing something that crazy. Um, but if you're in love, you do crazy things, right? Yes. So we'll, we'll see if someone does that. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week. I'm the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is the newest member of the Carolina Panthers, Micah Simon. Micah, welcome back to the show. Congratulations on just a wild week for you. Appreciate it, man. It's been been away from the show far too long, so glad to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. We were waiting for a 4-3-40, frankly. Um, And we did it, so here we are. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> How would you explain the last week of your life? Because at this time last week, you were not a member of the Panthers. You had not run your 40 yard dash, and then all these things happened. So, what's the last week been like for you? Yeah, it's been a pretty crazy week, you know, to be honest. Uh, you know, still, you know, this time last week, it was still final preparations for, for, for the pro day, you know, being with Zach and, and the rest of those guys. Um, and then, yeah, run the run the 40 do everything friday um get the call from the panthers saturday the gm calls me and 
you know, we pretty much, you know, it's, we agreed everything Saturday and then have to go out there Monday, um, to do the physical, um, meet with all the coaches and the trainers and then made it official Tuesday. And here I am back, back in Dallas, uh, still working for my mortgage job that I, that I had before. So, <laughs> you know, still, still, it's been a crazy week. Okay. Let's, let's rewind a little bit. So last year you didn't get a proper chance to display what you could do given the pandemic and everything. So here you are and it's sort of your pro, your pro day a year later, but you had to get a real job like the rest of us after we graduate. Right. So Tell us what you've been up to and then how you were able to prepare physically in spite of all that to run a tremendous 40 and get this opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you know, it got to the point where, uh, you know, you couldn't just kind of keep waiting around to, to figure out if you were going to get the call for the, for the NFL you know, last season. I had a few workouts, um, you know, virtual workouts with some teams, but nothing ever took off. So yeah, I was able to get a job for, you know, for First Colony. Um, you know, everybody knows First Colony in Utah. So I've been, been working with those guys uh, since uh, since June. And, uh, yeah, would, would uh, just work out in the mornings. Um, when I was still living in Utah, I was working out in the mornings with uh, Dave Strohshine at Strohformance and then was going to work after that. Um, so did that for a little while. And then once uh, we've kind of figured nothing would happen, maybe at the tail end of the season, then I started to tail back from the workouts just – kind of stayed in shape then there was a point where you know it kind of was i was in the air where it was just like okay well do i even keep doing this do i keep trying this um or do i move on you know there's an opportunity you know for me to go to snow college and, and start coaching there you know or trying to be a ga with with kalani and, and those and the, and the staff at byu but you know i decided after talking to my agent and, and parents decided to you know why not why not give it another sh- another chance because last year was so was so crazy with with everything so ended up moving back uh moving back to dallas uh living at home and and was able to keep my job um they just let me they were able, let me uh do it from do it from home so kind of same type of deal was doing the pro day combine training in the mornings and then was working the rest of the day and yeah Micah Simon, Carolina Panthers receiver with us on BYU Sports Nation. Micah, I know that you obviously trained as a receiver and you displayed that with Zach Wilson in your different uh, pass routes and whatnot uh, last Friday, but what options or what positions are you open to playing for Carolina and have they opened the door to other things potentially? I mean, for sure, uh, you know, any and all special teams uh, was going to be a big part of, of you know, what I'm, what I'll do, what, what they brought me in for, you know, kickoff, punt, punt return, things like that. Um, but then, yeah, you know, we, we haven't talked any other specifics about any other positions, but yeah, they, they know I can play outside and inside receiver and uh, yeah, just looking forward to, to uh, showing my talents there. So did you know you'd run a four, three, four, because you've talked about how, Hey, there was a point where we like, should I keep doing this? Is it going to be worth it? It was worth it. You answered that question. Uh, what was it like when you trained? Did you feel like, yes, I can run a time that's going to get me on the radar? Yeah. Yeah. I, I felt that I could, you know, knowing what I did last year with my training and everything. Um, I tra- I went back to the same trainer. I trusted him. Um, so we, he put the same kind of plan together to get me, to get me ready again. Um, so when I, when I was training, I, I, uh, I never touched four, three while I was training, but I had a lot of like four, 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 oh, four, four, one. Um, I had a four, four, one at 43 yards one time. 
So I kind of knew like, all right, if you take away three yards, I should go four three. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it was, it was a fun experience to, to do it again in the train. Um, and I was, I was confident with, with the training that I put in and just trusted it, trusted that. Isn't it weird how much those, you know, that 40 matters? Like you put so much effort into that number and boom, you're going to get a shot off of that. It, it almost feels wild yeah. how quick, literally quickly, four seconds of your life changed your life. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy when you look back on it and think like, okay, I probably, you know, spent two hours a day training this um, for the last three months for four seconds and <laughs> and here we are i always said the same thing about about uh about football you know in college you know you train so much in the off season for you know you know six home games you know it's just like it's just crazy you know to, to feel like you know you only get to play in front of your in front of your home fans six times but you train all year for it so mm-hmm. it's kind of the same type of deal mike assignment on byu sports nation my next question deals with what happened to Tennessee. If you had run a four three four against the Volunteers, <laughs> would you have scored? <laughs> you know, I probably would have. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those deals where you know you look back at the video and you're just like, man, like maybe maybe it doesn't look so four three, but you know you got to think of all the factors. You know, second game of the year, uh, the very end of the game. <laughs> Uh, that drive I already had ran three go routes in a row, so that was the fourth one, you know. Okay, so nah, it's a, <laughs> so I was probably you know, four, 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 two, four, four, four. All right, we, <laughs> all right, we put it number 18 in the top 100 plays in BYU football history. I think if you score, it cracks maybe top 12, 10, right? It, were you okay with 18 breaking into the top 20? Yeah. For sure. I mean, there's, you know, you know the history of, of, of BYU football. There's there's tons of, of amazing plays, amazing game-winning plays, game-changing plays. So, yeah, being in the top 20, man, I'll, I'll take that because, you know, I've, I've played with guys, uh, you know, just in my four to five years who, who made some, some ridiculous plays. So, you, you know, you take it back 10, 20, 30 years, obviously there's going to be tons more. I hope you let your uh, former coach, Margin Hooks, know that he wasn't in the top 20 as well. <laughs> I don't know that he made it. Did we have a play in the top 100th margin? I, he he had it like an 80 yard touchdown against Utah in I think 99 that didn't quite make it. Okay, so, all right. Hey, how, how about that? You, you got that. Okay, so you mentioned you, you run the 40 on Friday. You get the call Saturday. Were there was there interest from multiple teams, or were the Panthers the the most impressed team with you? Uh, at the time, Panthers were the only one that we uh, that we heard from. Um, at the time, you know, I heard rumblings. I, I, I heard rumblings, you know, afterwards that there was, there was a, could have potentially been some other teams in play, but I mean, yeah, we, when we got the call from the Panthers and you know, we, we felt like that was a great spot for me to end up, you know, the, uh, a new, you know, younger GM, um, younger coach, coach rules. Great. Um, from, from Baylor, um, he's in his second year. Um, so there, there's a lot of, uh, potential for for the upside there um the receiver room they they lost a couple guys uh in the off season so yeah there there's a chance for me to to make a splash and and make the roster and then some demons to exercise in uh, that part of North Carolina right from East Carolina 
2017? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you can go there and exercise those demons. What, what's, uh, what's life like now? Because you, you went there, you know, you checked a few boxes for them and, and whatnot, physical and whatnot. So when, when do you uh, return or will you work out from home for a bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, the plan right now, I'll probably be in Dallas for, for the next few weeks. Off-season program starts uh, April 19th. So um, kind of still waiting to hear if that's virtual or in person. But I think either, either way, I'll, I'll end up in the, end up there around that time. Micah, our sincere congratulations again. We uh, were you know, notably stoked when we saw one the time and then saw what that transitioned into. Uh, could not be more happy for a guy that is holding down a mortgage job and uh, just trying to make it in the NFL, man. Should we have a race with you and Chris Wilcox, four three one and four three four? Yeah, we really should because I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the free agents, the scouts, only gave us one run for the forty, mm. and the rest of the guys got two. That's why right. I didn't run another one. Okay, right. So okay. I feel like you know Chris ran fast for the first one, four three seven, and then the second one, four three one. So I don't know. I went four three one on the first one. Maybe it was a four three zero on the second <laughs> one. You know, you don't know. <laughs> Four two nine. Give yeah. the man another opportunity. Nine, yeah. yeah, who knows? Yeah. yeah. So hey, that's a great point. Maybe, yeah. That's a great point. Michael. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was happy for all those guys. They, all those guys did really well at Pro Day. So looking forward to see to see uh, where they end up too. No, oh, world class event for sure. Held at the indoor practice facility. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Uh, again, just congratulations. So happy for you. Thank you so much. Micah Simon with us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. One of our favorites, and what a great story of, okay, he gets a real job, right? He has to, and he still has this job. <laughs> like, he's going to go to work today. Hi, I'm a receiver yeah. for the Panthers now. Yeah. Do you need a uh, financial help with First Colony? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. I, I have some incredible financial options for you. Yes. He's hitting up all of his teammates. I, I joked with him before. He's like, hey, can you hear me okay during the break? And I said, yeah, you sound rich and golden. He's like, ah, no, I'm still broke. I was like, I was talking about your voice. <laughs> but yes. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. It is time now that we venture into Big Deal, No Deal, presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Jeremiah, I'd like to start with a man that you have called several incredible highlights for, All-American volleyball player Gabby Garcia-Fernandez. Big deal or no deal, he is not returning next season, even with an extra year of eligibility. Absolutely a big deal. Uh, He's one of the best opposites BYU's ever had, perhaps the greatest. Uh, His ability to serve is uh, almost unmatched. If he had a few more matches, he'd probably catch Taylor Sander. He still might, almost 16 16 aces away from the Mm -hmm. all-time record. As a hitter, he's unbelievable. Good blocker, can pass as well, so... Yeah, this is a big deal for sure, for sure. Um, hopefully, BYU can cap it off with the national title and kind of cement his legacy. Yes, please. Even if they don't, he's still one of the greatest that have ever played here. And, of course, adds to that Puerto Rican pipeline. It's been really fun to watch him play. And it's not over. USC tonight at UCLA next week, MPSF tournament, hopefully an NCAA tournament. So there's still uh, plenty of ball. When's the last time you saw a guy hit from the serve line like Gabby Garcia Fernandez does? Has that ever happened? I mean, he hits such a heavy ball. It's in the 70s, the miles per hour. It's like Taylor Sander was, uh, 
Amazing. He had a good ball, but it wasn't as no. heavy. His was more kind of placed, right? Gabby is placed with speed, Ooh. and it's incredible. It's elite from the service. Yeah, side. and he was he was better last year than this year from the line. He's still kind of trying to get to that point, but he set the single season ace record in an abbreviated season. Wild, fifty five aces. Yeah, this is a huge deal. I I feel like Gabby Garcia Fernandez is BYU's golden ticket to a national title. So if he were going to oh. if he were going to come back next year, then I would say BYU volleyball is a top three team and are going to have another chance to compete for a national title in 2022. But he's not. Yeah, he's not using the extra year. In fact, none of the four that could are. So uh, it's certainly going to be a different kind of season. It's not going to be the same group that grew old together. But BYU always has talent. BYU's always top five, top six. So I'm excited to see who BYU replaces them with. Yes, this is a huge deal. Would it have been a big deal if Jimmer Fredette had left with an extra year of eligibility? <laughs> because Gobby is at yeah. that level, yeah. like in that sport, okay? Like if Zach Wilson had come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big deal, no deal. Four men's basketball players currently in the transfer portal. I, I think that, this is a little deal. Yeah. It's, I mean, a, it's a little deal. And that's no uh, offense to those guys, but... They're looking for more PT. They weren't getting it here at time. Yeah, and I said this earlier this For whatever this week, reason, it's, w- whether it was not merited or not. Yeah, the optics of, man, four guys essentially all finding out that they're leaving within a week's time. Like, the, the optics are not good. But tis the season. The season's but over. Yeah. We're, we're learning that now the NCAA is becoming more accommodating or we think are going to become much more accommodating to people yeah. leaving and not They'll, any penalties. They'll pass. I, I hate that it didn't work out for Connor Harding. Which is why it's a little deal. Like I, I yeah. don't. I wish things would have worked out for Connor because I like Connor and I think that he's wherever he goes, he's going to be a positive impact. Yes, and I hate that our last interaction with Wyatt Lowell is an injury. Yes, right. And Jesse Wade, it didn't work out, and Colby Lee, I guess, it didn't I, like work all out four. And, I, yeah. I really enjoy and uh, like all four of those young men. I, I think they're great people, and so you want to see them succeed. And I wish when we th- say young men, it makes us sound super old. Well, we are old. <laughs> We don't look old, though, uh, do we? Well, Come on. We're, like, I, I was playing high school basketball when most of those guys were born. So Don't tell them the truth. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Uh, but, yeah, a little deal. Okay, big deal, and, no and deal. And I agree with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. BYU has a USTF CCCCCA scholar athlete, Connor Mance, and the scholar team of the year in women's cross country. Always good to be a, the name, the whatever of the year nationally. Absolutely. To be heralded as smart athletes? I didn't come here to go to school myself, uh, but what? I came here to learn broadcasting and, and hang out, you know, uh, go to BYU sporting events. It was awesome. But uh, yeah, good for these, uh, good for the, the women's team and Connor Mance. Uh, pretty awesome that they are not only athletes, because I like to say, as Dan Patrick says, the athletic students, right? Student-athletes, it's like, well, some of these... In fact, most of the BYU athletes came here for school yes, and also participate in athletics, but some came here to perform the sport and happened to go to class. Yes. To be clear, the biggest and most obvious deal is that the women's cross-country team won the national championship in the field of play and that Connor Mance yes. is the fastest man in cross-country in all the land. Like, that is the biggest of deals. So, while we laud and certainly honor their efforts in the classroom, the way that sports are built if you are what you do in competition. If you don't win, no one cares. If you, what you do in yeah. competition matters most to the majority in yeah. their personal lives and yeah. in their future professional ventures. This is a huge deal for them. The academic center is like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> 
<laughs> it's awesome when they can are. Can we be real? It's hopefully. Jeez. Um, <laughs> sometimes no. Uh, uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, yeah. Academics certainly matter. Oh, great when you can combine yes. it with a great. Awesome. Awesome. Incredible. I was an academic walk on here at BYU. Just so far. Okay. Big deal. No deal. Softball upsets number twenty-five Baylor last night. First win against a ranked opponent of the season. This is a big deal because. Previous to last night, BYU had not been able to close the book on a victory mm-hmm. in a game of the dark holes. Arizona State, a couple of times, Washington, Arizona. They just have not put themselves in a good mental position to finish the big game and let them slip away. They took care of business last night. They even had some drama in the seventh inning. Nice. Tying run at the plate, mm-hmm. two on, up four to one, and a big strikeout from Autumn Moffat Court. So that it's a big deal because they have crossed that mental barrier of closing out a game against a ranked team. Yeah, absolutely. This is a big deal. I'm excited to see uh, games two and three this afternoon on the BYU TV app. Mm-hmm. Yo, doubleheader Friday. Love it. Join the conversation 24 seven on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Using the hashtag BYUSN, the best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is BYU Sports Nation, and it's time to whip it. The Cougar Whip Around, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Is Zach Wilson a better runner than people know? Yes. So I'm glad that BYU TV Sports posted a video of all of his best runs. It's like six minutes of awesomeness, reminding everyone that Zach Wilson is pretty fleet-footed. He's not 4-4-4 speed that Justin Fields is, but he's probably 4-5-5 speed and super athletic, and he's bulked up. So not only is he quick, fleet feet, he's bulked up as well. So, yeah, I'm glad that we reminded everyone of how awesome he is as a runner. Yeah, he's a great runner. There was a time where you and I had a conversation about Jaron Hall and Zach as a runner, and I was like, Zach's not that far behind, if at all, with Jaron Hall as a runner. Ten rushing touchdowns his senior season. Not bad. Fesitake tweeted, people get so enamored with Zach's ability to throw, rightfully so, but his athleticism is probably the most underrated part of his game. Zach Capono one moving forward, please just make sure you slide. <laughs> Take a lesson yeah. from Joe Burrow. Yeah. <laughs> slide, baby. Jeremont yeah. to gymnastics. They are in regionals today in Morgantown, West Virginia. Do the ladies need to get to the top eight of the NCAA championships, or is getting to day two, essentially like the Sweet 16, good enough? That would be good enough for me. Um, if this team does get to the NCAA championships, they're one of the all-time teams in BYU history. But to me, they've what they've done already the last two years has been awesome. Just being top 12 has been incredible. So, no, I don't need it, but it would certainly push BYU into a new sphere. I wish there were still six regionals across the country because the top two from each regional advance to the finals. But there are not anymore. There are only four. And... So it's, it's a lot to ask him to get into the top eight as the 12th-ranked team. No, get to day two. It's been a fantastic get season. Get through tonight. Get to Yeah, get to day two. Yeah. What do you make of this video from Brandon Averett posted yesterday afternoon on social media? Um, I think that Brandon Averett is telling people that he subtly is grateful to play at BYU and had a great senior season and that he's still leaving, but... Great memories were made at the Marriott Center in Provo, Utah. I know people want to say, is this a sign that he's going to run it back for another year? 
BYU going to have a point guard? Like, that would be amazing. BYU will have a point guard. Don't worry about that. <laughs> but it's don't read into this video too much. Until he says, hey, I changed my mind. I'm coming back to play BYU basketball. Yeah. Then it's not happening. Yeah. No, I don't read into it at all. Nothing. All right, Jeremy, I want to read you the following tweet from BYU basketball radio analyst Mark Durant, who said yesterday, I waited until after 12 midnight. You mean this morning. Or this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So people wouldn't think this is an April Fool's joke. I'd like to thank BYU, Greg Rebell, and Cougar Nation for all of your love and support over the years. With that being said, I'm announcing that I'm putting my name in the radio announcer transfer portal. Jaron, what will you miss most about Mark Durant now that he's in the transfer portal? I confirmed with Mark this is indeed a joke. (laughs) Uh, I will miss his hair that he had back in the 90s. I'll just miss Mark taking not-so-subtle digs at me and you in our interviews on the air, right? Well, he's still here, so <laughs> expect those again. Those will be happening. Okay, well, would you trust this stylist to cut your hair? Uh, I, I tweeted a picture that I was reminded of Steve Young getting okay. his hair cut Ooh. with what looked like just regular scissors. Uh-huh. It's this, he has a pink towel on and... Multiple ladies excited to be there with Steve, which yeah. has been the case his whole life. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, if Steve Young is willing to do that in the early '80s, then it, if I put myself in his shoes, Back to the Future, get my DeLorean, and I'm in that circumstance, I'm I would put myself in that salon chair. I would do that. I don't trust that this lady knows what she's doing. Honestly, the way that her left hand is sitting on the other blade, I'm like. Is she an actual hairstylist? It's hard to mess up that beautiful flock of hair. It's hard at that point. Like just a couple of just cut a couple of curls off. Like it'll still look okay. It's all right. Uh, Was that in the basement of the Smith (laughs) Fieldhouse? Or sorry, the uh, the, what is it? What's the main building on campus? The Wilk. The Wilkinson Center. Wilkinson Center. Jeez. (laughs) Sorry, Ernest L. Moving around in his grave, going. Gosh, doesn't even know my name. All right. Some basketball in the whip. Fuseni Traore had 20 points in the high school nationals quarterfinals last night. Signee for BYU basketball. Will he be a bigger impact for BYU hoops than we maybe initially thought? Kid out of Wasatch. Uh, bigger. Nice. 6'7", 235. Dude is jacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He and Caleb Loner in the weight room. That's going to be fun. So I'm ex- uh, Maybe. Uh, I, I think right now I would say he's probably coming off the bench but will be a loner type. We'll see if he can shoot it like Caleb did during a good stretch of the season. But I'm excited about him, man. That was a big game against a good team, and he performed really well. Yeah, give him some time. Get him into the system. By the time he's a sophomore, I expect some nice things from Husseini. But that said, I feel like BYU has a wealth of talent at that 3-4 position right now. BYU needs guards. So where are they going to go from here? The transfer portal. Yep. And they're going to be able to play right away. No penalties. Right. I love it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Dennis, I'm, I've been excited to get your opinion on this because some things are seriously happening in the NFL with pro days. Justin Fields had a fantastic pro day. He runs a 4-4-4, 40-yard dash. He threw all of those dimes. His workout looked great. I know some BYU fans are like, hey, maybe he'll go to the Jets at number two and Zach Wilson will get what we really want and he'll go to the San Francisco 49ers. But I want to attack the idea that even though Justin Fields is really good, 
Zach Wilson still goes to New York, and is is it that bad of an option? Because I, I know the Jets are carrying some significant weight, haven't been uh, doing much good for the past decade or so. What do you think of Zach Wilson and his fit with the Jets? Is it a is it really a good one? Well, I, I think the 49er fit is much better um, from a roster standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. Um, listen, and, and I know Robert Sala just came – from the 49ers, he's been a tremendous coordinator, but that does not always translate to head coach success in the NFL. I mean, we've seen a number of really good coordinators not be able to produce as head coaches, especially when entering into a situation like Salah has to enter into in New York. I mean, this has been a franchise that has had moments of, of, of greatness, has had some good seasons over the last couple of decades, but for the most part has struggled to produce wins. And um, I, I you look at the organization first because there's so many organizations in the NFL that from the top are just not very well run um, for whatever reason with ownership and, and, and the front office. And, and there's just so many different levels of an NFL organization that they have to be able to work together. They have to be able to rely on one another to have trust at each level. Um, and the Jets have not had that over the last handful of years. And they've struggled to find a head coach. I mean, even um, – What's the head coach from who was just there previously? He was the defensive coordinator in Tampa. I mean, tremendous coordinator. I can't remember his name right now. Um, and he, he didn't pan out. I mean, he's one of the best defensive. He took the, the Tampa Bay defense and, and won a Super Bowl with them this year, and he wasn't able to pan out. And so th- there's no guarantee that Robert Sala is going to be the guy in New York. So if you're looking at where would you rather have Zach go, where would be the best fit? Well, it's obviously Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers. From top to bottom, it's a winning organization. It's an organization that has um, prioritized championships and winning at the highest level. Um, they have a great foundation of, of alumni. They have tremendous coaches on staff right now. They have a great GM and John Lynch. They have done things right from top to bottom. Yeah. And to be able to be a young quarterback and to go into a circumstance like that, stability around them. Stability is critical in an NFL organization, especially as a young quarterback. And uh, to be able to go into that versus um, an unstable situation, a a situation that is unknown, because listen, this whole thing could get turned around in New York, but there's no guarantee that it will. And and we have no idea how it's going to shake out. And so if I'm Zach Wilson, if I'm putting myself in his shoes, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm happy that Justin Fields had a good pro day. I'm glad he (laughs) ran a 4-4-4 because hopefully the Jets might say, well, let's jump up and take him. He might fit our system a little bit better. The, the NFL's trending more towards mobile quarterbacks and not to say Zach isn't mobile. I mean, mm. uh, who's to say Zach maybe wouldn't have ran that fast as well, but um, it, it's just interesting, you know, uh, an interesting dynamic because if I'm Zach, I'm wanting to fall a spot and you look at some of these great quarterbacks, you look at Aaron Rodgers being able to fall. Now you don't want to fall all the way to the end of the first round if you're Zach yeah. Wilson, yeah. but to be able to get in a better organization, an organization that's one year away from being in the Super Bowl. And now they have a number three pick. I mean, that's that's a rare circumstance. And if you can take advantage of that and get on that roster, whoever lands with the 49ers, I'm telling you right now, they're going to have success. Yeah. Okay. To- totally fair points. And I think Todd Bowles was the guy you were thinking of. The ex Yeah, Thank Todd, you. I think it was Todd Bowles. I could not think of his name. Todd Bowles. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.